Hosanna is a word we say and sing at this time of year. We often say and sing this without even thinking about what it means. According to some scholars, this word is a Greek transliteration of a Hebrew imperative, meaning save now. Thus, Hosanna is quite literally a cry for help. Hosanna is what crowds might cry to a conqueror, It is a shout of trust and praise, placing the people's lives into the hands of this all-powerful, almighty ruler. We have heard this trust and praise resonating in Psalm 118, save us, we beseech you, O Lord. And other descriptions from Psalm 118 are evoked in our processions today with palms and cheers. Amid the waving branches, we watch the crowd and we hear the cry, Hosanna, save us. Karl Barth said the truest and simplest prayer is help. When you cry, help, save me, I need saving, you are admitting that you've fallen short. We, when we say it together, are confessing that we cannot do all of this on our own We are crying out for one who is mightier than we are. But sometimes when we cry out for help, when we cry out for saving, the answer we can receive is not what we would expect. It is not always what we want. Sometimes we know we need help, but we have a very specific idea of what that salvation will look like. We have a very precise plan for how God actually should answer our plea for help. Let us listen to the gospel reading today, and let us imagine a few of the ways people might be crying out for the Lord to save them. The gospel reading comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 21. When they had come near Jerusalem and had reached Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, just say this, The Lord needs them, and he will send them immediately. This took place to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, and they placed their cloaks on them, and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the tree and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and that followed were shouting, "'Hosanna to the Son of David!' Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest heaven. When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in turmoil, asking, Who is this? The crowds were saying, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. Then Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who were selling and buying in the temple, and he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I wonder what it would have been like to be part of the crowd in our story today. You probably live in the city of Jerusalem, 
You are a busy person. You have things to do, places to go. If you pause to watch this Jesus parading through the streets, it is only because you need some entertainment, some spectacle to fill in just a few minutes before you hurry along your way. Save us from boredom. You might be ready to cry. You watch all the pilgrims flooding into Jerusalem for Passover, and you can't help but roll your eyes a little bit. You hear their excitement about being in this big city, and you chuckle to yourself. You have seen too many festivals to get excited about this one. You are more savvy now. You know better. Besides, you are busy. You cannot pause for one more festive procession. You just need to stick to your own plans, stay out of the way, avoid the crowds, avoid the soldiers. But you do hear things about this man, this Jesus of Nazareth from the hill country of Galilee. Stories do trickle back through a stream of whispers. You hear that this man, this prophet, who is making his way through Jerusalem, this man has done some pretty interesting things. He has awed the crowds with healing and teaching. You also hear that he hangs out with quite scandalous people, people on the wrong side of the law, on the wrong side of public opinion. You hear that this Jesus is saying some pretty radical things about the kingdom of God. You hear that he preaches, blessed are the poor and blessed are the downtrodden. He talks about God weeping for the people of Jerusalem. This is all just a little intense for you. He sounds a little too out there for you. You aren't going to trouble yourself about him. You see people hurrying past you, tearing off their cloaks, spreading them on the ground, and you shake your head. What a silly thing. Most people only have one coat. Why cast it on the ground for this man? Better to save it. Better to save it for a rainy day. After all, there have been men who ride in promising to conquer the world before Jesus, and there will be men who ride in after Jesus. This prophet won't make any difference. Who will ever hear of him after today? Better to not get involved. And so you might listen, you might look, and you might take a few moments for this entertaining spectacle to be saved from your boredom. But you are busy. You have an appointment to keep. You have a life to live. And the cheers are entertaining, but crowds can change their mind quickly. Jesus better be careful. He better keep entertaining the people. He better not stop impressing the crowds. He better keep his teaching lighthearted and his actions merely about putting on a good show. And then, when Jesus goes to the temple and overturns the tables, you are surprised. Perhaps this Jesus means what he says. Perhaps he isn't just putting on a good show. This Jesus better be careful or people might start to take him seriously. Save us, O Lord. You are ready to cry along with everyone else. But you are done for now. Time to get back to reality. You've seen enough. Time to get back to your appointments, your to-do list. You might check in with this guy in a week, but you are busy with other things. 
for now. Or I wonder what it would have been like to be a disciple in our story today. I wonder what it must have felt like to have followed Jesus across so many dusty roads, to have had to rest your head on the floor of so many strangers, to be an alien in foreign regions. I wonder what it must have felt like to have people question your decision to follow this Jesus. Perhaps they laughed at you. Perhaps they shook their heads at how you pour out your time and talents, your very life to this man. Perhaps now you are ready to prove them wrong. Now you are ready to prove that this Jesus of Nazareth has the right stuff. Save us, O Lord, you will cry. Save us from irrelevance, from mockery. You are tired of trotting along in the background, toiling quietly. You are tired of small gestures of kindness, tired of just spending time with the poor and those on the margins of society. You are ready for Jesus to show everyone what he's talking about, to take his seat at the table of the powerful, to launch a campaign of shock and awe. You are ready for something big, something splendid. You are ready to prove that you at least haven't wasted your time. You watch Jesus walk through the streets, following in the promised footsteps of what a conqueror, a king, a ruler will do. And you feel yourself getting excited. You feel your heart start to skip. Your eyes tear up a little bit. People are cheering. Big things are going to happen, and you are going to be a part of it. You want this. You want to prove that you have hitched your wagon to the right star, that giving your life over to this Jesus has been a good use of your time. Sure, following Jesus has exhausted you at times. He makes you go places you don't feel quite comfortable going. Samaria, a storm-filled sea, and even back to this city of Jerusalem where you've heard people are plotting against him. And Jesus does make you talk to people you'd rather avoid. The woman at that well, the unclean lepers, the blind man at the side of the road. But now that is past. Now you are at the center of Jerusalem, the edge of power. The cheers are intoxicating. You must admit you kind of enjoy basking in this admiration of the onlookers. Now is the time you will be saved from irrelevance and delivered into something full of fame, glory, a splendid show of power. But when Jesus next goes to the temple and overturns the tables, you get scared. Jesus had better be careful. Jesus had better keep the crowds happy, keep them shouting his name in support and admiration. Save us, O Lord, you are ready to cry, but you cannot help but hope that Jesus tones it down a little bit. He might have big plans, but you do hope you'll be more careful. The crowds might turn against him. Save us, you cry, but you really hope that Jesus plays it a little more safe. Lastly, I wonder what it must have been like to be one of the people with actual power in Jerusalem. 
After all, Jerusalem is a bustling city, the center for religious and political activities for the region. People flock here from all over, ready to pay much to get close to the temple. And this is where soldiers fill the streets, new soldiers arriving all the time from Rome. If someone is smart, is savvy, there is much to accomplish here. There are many chances to make the most of the opportunities presented. And so perhaps you see that the crowds, the people, are hungry for good news. They are hungry for signs that the Roman Empire is on the wane and that the Jewish people will be free to rule themselves once and for all. And perhaps you just want this as well. You want to make the people's beliefs come true. Perhaps you have some power and privilege. Not a lot, mind you. You are not Caiaphas or Pilate, but you have some privilege, some authority, and you are just trying to use it for good. You aren't doing anything particularly bad. You've been working hard with all the right people, saying all the right things, making all the wrong conflicts go away. Perhaps you are tired of waiting around. You want some help, some support. Save me, O Lord, you cry. Save me from feeling like it is all up to me. You are tired of feeling this way. You are ready to make some headway. You are ready to make some strategic alliances. And so a few months ago, you heard of this Jesus of Nazareth, and you got excited. You heard whispers that he was a prophet with saving power, a ruler who could rally the region. Perhaps you were intrigued by his potential, and you visited him, listened to him speak, watched who he reached out to touch, looked at the people with whom he associated. And it was then that you grew quite disillusioned. This was not the guy you wanted. You saw that he hangs out with all the wrong people. He says all the wrong things. He is way too radical for you. His Sermon on the Mount is making some political figures very uncomfortable. His promises about God's kingdom are making some religious authorities very skittish. His talk about God's love, about God pouring out love and weeping with love for the children of Jerusalem, well, this is quite unseemly. You wish this Jesus would tone it down. You wish he would keep quiet. You have been plugging away at your own plans for quite a long time, and he is going to ruin everything. You begin to feel like, once again, it is all up to you. Once again, you have to take matters into your own hands. You are frustrated because God hasn't made this easy on you. Your power and privilege came hard-earned. You, at least, want to use them for good. It is the lesser of two evils. These cheers, this procession, this waving of branches, this reminder of what the scriptures promise, that God will be in charge, that God's kingdom is the one with power in the world, this is scary stuff. You would rather Jesus just went away. You would rather these people just went away. These crowds are full of people who are getting in the way. People who just don't have the right sense of things. Don't have the right connections or tax brackets or lobbying support. They can't accomplish anything like you can. The city is in upheaval. This is bad. And when Jesus goes to the temple and overturns the tables, you are determined. You know what you must do. 
Save me, O Lord, you have cried, but God hasn't answered your prayers. It is time for you to take matters into your own hands. This Jesus must be reined in. He must be silenced. He must be stopped by whatever means necessary. And so you get to work. I wonder, I wonder what we are asking God to save us from. And I wonder if we, we who are sitting here, we who make this procession, we who go out into our week, I wonder if we actually want the Savior that we get. Let us pray. Save us, O Lord, we cry. Hosanna in the highest. And yet so often we come short of trusting you and praising you with steadfast commitment. So Lord, come alongside us and remind us that you do not leave us, that as we go from this place and into the week, you will not leave our side no matter what happens. You love us and you are dying to show us how much you love us. Help us to commit to you and to sharing your love with the world. Amen.